We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the 1991 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Michigan. Man, a lot of people from where I'm from, so don't don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. All right, welcome into another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie. And I'm joined by Brian and Lee. As always, if you guys want to support the pod, the best way to do that would be through a rating and review on Apple Podcast or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. I do want to read the latest review that we got from Sam, who titles it Informative and Engaging. BuzzBeat is the most comprehensive coverage of Hornets basketball found. Time is not wasted with blather or anecdotes. There is basketball-centric focus in each episode. The hosts are well-prepared and articulate in their presentation of all things Hornets. Keep up the great work. All right, guys. We are recording this live on Twitter Spaces after the game. I guess it's almost over here. One thirty-three ninety-nine. Looks like 11 seconds left to play against the Sun. So we will recap this game and we'd love for any speaker request as well. Uh, Lee, Brian, how's it going? hope you guys are doing well. These are the types of games where uh, cleaning the glass gets to kind of like shut off their uh, calculations because of the garbage <laughs> time starts around like like halftime. So that that's fun. Yeah. 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 No. Um, yeah. Good to be here. Uh, Happy New Year to you guys. Happy New Year to anyone tuning in. And um, yeah, not exactly a, a roaring start to 2022 for the Hornets after ending 2021 with a nice little three game uh, win streak, but yeah, no. Um, yeah. Garbage time got started really early in this game. Um, Del Curry and Eric Collins were just finding all kinds of stuff to talk about in the second half as the game had certainly lost its, uh, its competitiveness uh, rather early on. And um, we can get into this more, but uh, I'll let Lee, I'll at least squeak in here as well too, to start it off, but just, yeah, this goes back to this point of just like Phoenix is such a bad matchup for Charlotte. And I think Utah is another one that's in the same sphere of just, you have these elite pick and roll offenses that are so easily bend and move defenses, even against like quality defense for, for a team like Charlotte that can't do it, handle that at the point of attack. 
it's just easy picking. They get every shot they want. I was going to say, building on your first point, BG, about just how bad of a matchup this is. And I don't know if you already mentioned this um, as I kind of blacked out there for a second. But uh, <laughs> Chris Paul tonight, who is obviously, you know, the, the master architect of kind of the offense that you were describing. Yeah. He's three, he's three for six from the floor, but he has 16 assists tonight. <laughs> One turnover too. One turnover. And is just out there calmly yes. and yeah. serenely, just like, I mean, to, to, to use a phrase you said, just picking the Hornets apart. Um, and then the only other thing I wanted to mention, just a fantastic vocabulary word from the, from the podcast review without meaningless blather. I think I'm going to yeah. have to start adding that uh, back into my vernacular. Yeah, oh, vernacular. Like that. Look at that word too. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Another, another, another 10, another $2 word there to, <laughs> to, to describe, to, to talk about an interest in another $2 word. Yeah. Chris Paul, 16 assists, one turnover. And of course that one turnover came in the first half on like, uh, like he was spotted up, the ball got swung to him. And as he was like getting ready to attack the closeout, he is like, I guess his back right foot stepped on the sideline. Um, so that was the only turnover, you know, like uh, probably like a very small portion of Chris Paul's like back heel ended up on the line. That was it. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. yeah, 16 assists. I mean, he's he's been incredible tonight. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, you know, surgical with whatever they wanted. Yes. And, and, I, and I really do like the way um, I mean, much has been written and discussed about Phoenix's pick and roll attack. It's obviously incredibly versatile, but just the way they like pair up Booker and Paul into those looks and get those guys moving and playing off one another and then into the ball screen action, whether they're doing, you know, the handoff into the screen and roll or, or the stacks Spain looks like whatever that is. They've got an infinite supply of it, and it's just a great way to like sync those guys up. And especially when Aiton's in the lineup, then you can really use him as your. your he's such an excellent screen dive player. Um, but it was Jalen Smith filling that role tonight. He, I mean, he had a pretty pretty great, great game for the Suns. Yeah, Devin Booker, very hot start for Phoenix. And I was watching the game Friday night against the Celtics, and uh, he did not play well. So I was worried about that coming into tonight's <laughs> game, having back to back. Poor shooting games. I just didn't think that was going to happen. Happen with Booker, and uh, I think he came out like 14 points in the first quarter, which was crazy to see. So I was a little bit worried yeah. about that. Uh, we do have a speaker request. Uh, we'll get to it at MT Stuff 12. Hopefully this works. If you have a question or a comment about the Hornets, go ahead. Yeah, so I was just saying regarding the starting lineup and the defensive, uh, just how fragile the defense is. Do we have any uh, players on in the lineup? just in general that could come in to replace either Gordon miles or even Terry, because it doesn't seem like it's going to get better with, with just one trade in terms of like fixing the overall defensive, like output for this. Yeah, team? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know uh, if there I is, will, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Lee. Yep. Yep. Sorry. We're, we're, we're just a little slow tonight, but, um, <laughs> Uh, well, what I would say is, I mean, I, someone actually tweeted me during the game and was like, what's the deal here? Like, like, I guess basically they were commenting on the fact that the Hornets have gotten down by 20, 30, or even 40 in a couple different games this year. And uh, like, like it's pretty obvious, right? Like this team has been one of, if not the worst at times defensive team in the NBA from a different defensive rating standpoint from a number of 
um, of different like different like defensive metrics. So when the Hornets' offense isn't rolling, um, which has been a, a top five offense all year, w- when you get a night like tonight where the Hornets shoot, you know, twenty five percent from three and just just aren't slinging the ball around, aren't making shots like they normally do, they're just liable to get pummeled. Particularly with a with a team like Phoenix, who's like a legitimate championship contender, contender, to get back a little bit on track. And I'll just quickly say, like, me and Richie had an episode, I don't know, three or four episodes back, where we did try to gum out like some potential defensive um, solutions. I don't even know if solutions is the right word, but like trying to like put a finger in the dam, you know. Um, and we did kind of throw around the idea of Cody Martin in the starting lineup, but you know, Terry Rozier is just so p- important to this team from a, from like a shooting spacing offensive action standpoint, that seems mm-hmm. hard to do. I, I don't know that there's like a lineup configuration uh, solution to this problem. I, I just don't think the personnel's there. I think if anything, the Hornets have to like lean further into the offensive identity and just, and try to try, try to be great that way. I, I, I mean, we've talked about this all year, you know what I mean, guys? And I'll kind of just leave it there for now. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a quick fix. There's not a quick fix. You can't make a, a simple change from putting someone on the bench into the starting lineup and that's going to fix everything. I know that Jalen McDaniels and Cody Martin are the guys that you look at when you think about defensive players on the bench, but they're not going to come in and make, make a huge change for this team. And it's funny, you, you talk about someone tweeting at you in terms of, uh, you know, these slow starts and getting off uh, to 20 point deficits and having to overcome that. And if the offense isn't falling, uh, it's going to put them in a bigger hole. Someone came at me and asked, you know, is it coaching? Is it coaching at all? And I think that is something that you might have to consider. It's just so hard to judge uh, when it is something that we don't have access to in terms of what type of schemes they're being taught. And, and one thing I do want to bring up is, you know, this is something that I've seen all year, but it was very evident in tonight's game is just the closeouts. Uh, I'm not sure if this is taught or not to the, to the previous point about whether it's coaching, but the Hornets run so uncontrolled out to shooters on the perimeter that they just overrun them. And then the Suns, in this case, get inside the paint, and then the Hornets are just in scramble mode. And that happens way too frequently because – I get that maybe you're trying to take away a three-point shot, but you've got to go out with some kind of control where you're not taking yourself out of the play. So is it being taught? We don't know. We don't know, hey, hard closeout, get them off the line, get them inside the three-point line. But when that happens, Hornets are also in a bad position because they are constantly scrambling. So I think Phoenix Phoenix's pace tonight put Hornets in some tough positions, but also Hornets didn't do themselves any type of favors with their closeouts. And I think that's something that's probably been pretty consistent throughout the course of this season. Yeah, I think with team, this is why I mentioned Phoenix and Utah at the start of this podcast is just like probably the two worst matchups for Charlotte in the NBA, because I don't think there are any teams better at the initial advantage creation um, and then building off of that and then punishing you and then getting to second and third. I mean, the Jazz, they're all, their whole offense is, you know, it's Mitchell or it's predicated on getting to second and third side actions. Phoenix can do the same thing with all of their pick and roll hijinks. Um, and so, you, Richie, I agree with you. Like the, the rotations, the closeouts, those are a problem. Um, but I think it also just gets 
you know, it starts bad because there's no ability to like contain at the point of attack, right? Mm-hmm. Like ball screen or a simple action into a ball screen and boom, like the opponent already has an advantage. And when the ball handlers and those actions are Devin Booker and Chris Paul, <laughs> then it gets really dicey. And when you've got great shooters like Cam Johnson and Landry Shamit, or, you know, if uh, Jay Crowder had been playing in this game tonight, or Michael Bridges, just like all of a sudden it gets really, really dicey really, really quickly. And again, I think Utah does does basically the same same thing. They just go about it in maybe slightly different uh, tactics. And so, yeah, like I don't think there's a quick fix on the roster. I mean, certainly McDaniels and Cody are, are better perimeter defenders than LaMelo and Terry. But look, just the reality of it is like, you know, LaMelo is the franchise right now. Well, he can do some impressive stuff defensively. I mean, tonight he literally blocked a three-point attempt from Landry uh-huh. Shaman. You could see the, the team defense, the closeout, the, 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 him being able to use his length defensively to make a play. Um, but, like, neither one of those guys are great at the point of attack. And, I mean, even Rozier came out and said last week, like, I think he was talking with Rod Boone, right? And he just said, like, quite frankly, my defense hasn't been very good this year. Um, it hasn't really been very good in many years he's played in the NBA. But... <laughs> Um, but like neither one of those guys are great at the point of attack. They also have some bad habits off the basketball. I think Spencer did a thread on some of this stuff maybe last week or two weeks ago, but we've talked about it plenty. And so I think what's going to be critical because I think when everyone looks at the roster, it's so obvious that they need a center. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, like a, like a, like, in, and like I said, as someone that like, I'm, I'm in on PJ, obviously, and I think one of the one of the things they could possibly do is maybe start PJ, but in in, in just switch. Um, that's one thing you kind of do without having to like move, you know, Hayward or Rozier to the bench or something like that, which just probably is like maybe a non-starter. Maybe and, it and, be. and Brian, like JB's been so hesitant to do that, even yeah. going back to last year. He just yeah. for whatever reason, for better or worse, he he really sticks to the, his guns on like starting a traditional center. Said, yeah. and, we, and we've always obviously talked about the fact that like PJ more than likely a lot of times does close the game. Yes. Um, yeah. But I agree with you. I wouldn't mind seeing him try it at some point. Um, but, but, but again, like I, 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 I don't think you can argue with the results too much as terms of like the Hornets, like maturing into this rebuild and everything. But yeah. like, I'm with you. I, I think you play that hand at some point. You, you may have to. Again, that's the one thing that they've got to that they could maybe do without having to, like, you know, worry about you know, egos or, or how you're going to, like, sell right. someone on, on a, on, on a six-man role, especially when, you know, Kelly's kind of penciled in as the, the six-man scorer. And, you know, having to pitch that idea to Terry might be kind of tough. You, so that's a possibility. I mean, maybe you could sell it to Hayward as a way of like, Hey, you know, we're going to start Jalen at the three and we're going to use this. You'll come off the bench. We'll manage your minutes a little bit. You know what I mean? You'll close games. We'll, you know, we'll run the second off second unit offense through you again. I don't, I think that's a bit of a stretch, but like maybe that's a possibility. The point I wanted to bring up though, is that like, obviously I think there are a lot of people that are clamoring for Charlotte to get the center. I think it would be great for them at some point to get a center that can drop or play at the level. And that way you could, you could guard pick and roll a little more traditionally, maybe do a little more, try to like two on two. But of course, part of that is also having quality point of attack defense. And right now 
with Charlotte being married to the Rosier Lamella backcourt, it's a little dicey. And so it's why and I brought this up a couple of weeks ago with you guys. Like when Charlotte's thinking about this roster one, two years out from now, mm-hmm. and you're thinking about the long-term solution behind Hayward or like whatever the next, the, whatever the next like starting small forward of the Charlotte Hornets is, then they've got to be like a, a, a plus defensively. Like they can't, they can't just be a, they can't, they just can't be an average defender um, because you, you you signed up for Rozier and that was part of the risk with, with signing up for Terry. Like I, I get it. I didn't, I didn't love the, the extension, but I understood it, but I could also see how someone could say like, well, wouldn't it be better if you could have, you know, maybe kept Terry as an expiring contract and you'd be starting Cody Martin at the two. Like, I don't even think I'm there, but I could see how some other people might look at the roster and say like, they wish they had gone about it that way. Of course, Terry's so important to what they're doing in terms of the scheme, in terms of the half-court offense. So I, I digress here. The point I'm trying to make is I don't think there's an easy solution on the roster. You could maybe try that, like the Hayward or Rozier to the bench and start Cody or, or Jalen, and, and that'll upgrade your perimeter defense you know, a little bit, but that's a tough sell, I think. And so I think if in terms of like you know actual solutions on the roster, maybe start P.J. Lee. You said uh, Brago has been reluctant to do that. And so I, my thought would just be it's going to be an issue all year mm-hmm. and until um, either they find like another gear somehow, maybe in the playoffs that seems completely wishful thinking or, you know, they're going to have to upgrade the roster at, at, at those positions at some point. Because right now they're committed to LaMelo, Miles and, um, you know, Terry Rozier. Like the, those are the, the, that, that's the, that's kind of the team going forward to an extent. So, yeah, they're, they're just going to have to find better talent through draft, free agency, trade, what have you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think too, like when you look at defenders or when you think about evaluating someone on the defensive side of the court, you want someone too that has that like drive or passion or that energy and that effort. And you don't really see a lot of that from this team, but one player that at least I'd like to see it out of him, like his miles bridges, you can see that he gets frustrated when he or his teammates mm-hmm. don't do well on the defensive side of the court. I thought he was pretty passive tonight offensively, but defensively you could tell that he wanted to try to turn things around on the defensive side of the court. And he was, you heard him that one time yelling, getting back and I think giving up offensive rebounds is something that Lee and I have talked about as well. So even when they do get the quote unquote stop, they're still giving up offensive rebounds. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that happened a lot again tonight. So I just, you you need players with that effort and that drive. And I just don't see that on this roster right now. Yeah. 13 offensive rebounds for the Suns tonight. Well, and, and, and I think it is like, I think everything we're saying is very fair and reasonable. And, and it's also still worthwhile to put in the context of, the Phoenix Suns are going to be right there for the NBA championship. For I mean, sure. in the West sure. right for now, sure. it's it's Utah, Golden State, and Phoenix. And you can look, you can have your misgivings or your points about Phoenix's like luck or lack thereof last year. Like, I don't really want to hear it. They're an incredible basketball team. They're so good. And They're so Chris good. Paul is one of the best guards to ever live. And, you know, obviously like I, I don't have to go through the laundry list of why the Phoenix Suns are good. It, it, it's not an excuse to have like a super subpar effort. Um, but it is like worthwhile context as we're, as we're kind of griping through this. Yeah. Um, the, the only other things I would say is Div, a, a friend of the program, did make a good point on Twitter, or, or I, I was, like an interesting point that I hadn't really heard bantered around much. And his point was essentially, there, there's all this talk about the Hornets trying to acquire this idea of a rim protector uh, and a traditional, like, true center. And, and maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. And Div's point was... Why is it never discussed uh, to try and acquire, and I'm using quotes here for the people that can't see me at home, acquire another P.J. Washington type and just go all in to try and dominate offense for 48 minutes rather than trying to kind of improve your weakness, lean into your strength. I'm not saying that's necessarily the right call. I just think it's something interesting that I hadn't necessarily thought about and probably should have. Yeah, it's an interesting thought process, right? You know, like, because you can try like, as far as like finding this, this proverbial, you know, this, the, the ideal rim protector, you know, it's like the miles Turner's the high end of that. We can think of some probably lower end options of that, but it's like, you know, outside of a guy like Turner, maybe there could even be questions to this extent, but it's like, how much is that person moving the needle? And so if you just lean into it in the other direction, even further, well, maybe that, that, that actually helps you out. I think it's an interesting thought. Uh, to be honest with you. And then again, if it's a PJ Washington type, and so it's sort of like a, a hybrid front court presence, again, you can introduce the, the switching possibility a little bit, right? Yep. And just say like, well, we're just going to at least keep the ball in front. And like, it's going to give us some bad mismatches at times. We're going to mess up at times. Guys are like, we're, we're going to get burned in certain ways by doing this. But ultimately, like, this is what we're going to go to. And then guys just know what we're doing. And like, 
whatever happens. Like if we get, if we get punched by playing this defense, it's not going to be because like guys don't know where to rotate. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be, we're like guys should at least know where to be. And the other thing too, that I would say about small thing about like the Suns just being like in a bad matchup, certainly like, the man-to-man defense for Charlotte, which has been bottom four or five all season in terms of yep. half-court man defense. They currently rank 26, according to Synergy, and half-court uh, man-to-man defensive efficiency this season. You know, the zone has been – we talk about the zone all the time on this podcast, right? And it's been like – it has been a real weapon uh, for Charlotte, like, uh, over the last two seasons. It's hard to think of, like – I mean, again, certainly – Utah, Milwaukee, there's some other bad teams where it's like the thought of zoning them is like terrifying, but it's just like you play zone against the Suns, like good luck, you know, oh, like yeah. Michael Bridges is going to start cutting around and flashing in now. Chris Paul is going to, you know, be traffic cop and put everybody in the right spots. And they tried it on one possession in the first half. I think in the first quarter, Richie, you were talking about Booker who just came out, you know, blazing. Like they went, they went zone on a possession, um, it was, uh, you know, they Phoenix screened the top of the zone. Booker came off, and then, you know, I can't remember if it was Richards or Plumlee was at center, but, like, they were just back in the zone. And so Booker just just stepped right into a three, like a pull-up three, and he drilled it. It was like, yeah, I mean, like, it's just that, – that's it was just like, you know, you could see Borrego, like, grasping for straws early, and that didn't work, and it was like, yeah, I, I just don't think you have any answers tonight. You know, like, you just got to hope that you can start making a bunch of threes. I said this right before we started recording tonight. It's like, the only way Charlotte can really, like, keep up with Phoenix is, like, they'd have to just have a, an abnormal shooting performance from downtown in terms of volume and in terms of efficiency to scramble up the, the, the variance a little bit, right? Because short of that... Phoenix is just going to get whatever they want, regardless of what, as long as Booker and Paul are playing, Phoenix gets whatever shot they want against, against the Hornets. And that's, that's been Richie's point about the zone BG. And, and he's made it several times is like, it's very matchup dependent. Like the most recent Hornets successful zone game was the Spurs. And, and, and like, uh, and that's fairly obvious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, Cam. What are your thoughts, man? <laughs> Brian's laughing. Uh, so just the first thing to Brian's point about roster upgrade, AJ Griffin is on the way, boys. Don't, don't <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hey, it might, like, I mean, maybe, maybe. He might. God, he would be perfect for the Hornets, by the way. Like, if he fell, like, late lottery. No idea, who you guys are lottery. About. no idea who you guys are talking about. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, we're, we're in NBA draft land again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had no idea if Brian was going to talk for like 30 minutes on AJ Griffin's draft, draft prospects. I would have been, been down to listen to it. I think it was oh, Brian. We'll do it, we'll do it eventually. Don't oh, we? yeah, I definitely will. By the way, AJ Griffin not listed in the most recent uh, ESPN uh, 2022 mock draft. May need to update that one, guys. May need to... Uh, May need to get him into the top 10, like, really quickly, actually. Anyway, I think Brian tweeted out earlier this week, and it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about so far this evening, is, you know, do we do the Hornets go all in on this, like, 48 minutes of, of offense, just offense, offense, offense? How does that work when our three best players have such a, terrible like plus minus all right not three best players i'm sorry but like our three backcourt players with rosier ball 
and Hayward. I just I don't see the the connection there. Maybe it's there's a big enough sample size there where that number is not insignificant. Whereas plus minus can be sometimes. It just that's a concern for me. It's again no, not an easy to- fix. Totally. It's, it's a, I- like I was, I was kind of saying earlier. Like, I thought it was an interesting point. I'm not sure it's the right decision. I think if you were, if you were going to make the argument against what you were saying, if you were going to try to formulate that argument, it would be the defense is so bad anyway um, that the offense being the second most efficient offense in the league behind the Utah Jazz, by the way, by a country mile. Like the Jazz the jazz offensive efficiency gap between first and second is like the same gap between Charlotte and like the 18th team. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, but, but the argument would be you're, you're going all in on the offensive efficiency to try and make up for what is already the league's worst defense essentially. So why not, uh, why not essentially sacrifice that to always have the spacing that the Hornets have when PJ Washington's on the floor. So you never have that rim protector uh, opposing center clogging up the lane on miles Plumlee or on Nick Richards. And you're forced to try and like counter off that, that, that would be the uh, you know, that would be the counterpoint if you were trying to make it, but, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not saying I'm sure that's the right move. Yeah. I'm not sure I buy into it in the sense that, well, you, you say there's a there's a country mile between them and, and Utah, so there, there is still a gap. But like, how much better can they get offensively to the point to where they're going to uh, right. adjust for the defensive deficiency? So if you do go all in on offense, I'm not sure that it's going to make up that big of a gap. I, I would be I wouldn't be opposed to e- even like just standing pat at, at the trade deadline and just like Brian was saying, play PJ Washington more frequently because it does give them a little bit more versatility on both ends of the court. I also think that maybe even going after defensive-minded wing wouldn't be a bad idea either just to, you know, help shore up the uh, the perimeter defense. But again, one person, one player is not going to make the difference here. And I think that's really kind of what we're boiling this down to. Yeah, and, and I would say too, just like, you know, I, I'm guessing Griffin will not, A.J. Griffin, who's a freshman wing at Duke, um, as, as uh, Richie doesn't know, but Lee and, and Cam certainly know. He's very, very good. This is a guy that's missed most of the last two years uh, uh, towards the end of his high school career because of various knee injuries. Um, started very slowly with Duke sort of like working him back into the mix. He had another knee injury like late in fall camp, like a week or two before the season was going to start. And um, after Duke took their two-week absence for exams, he has come on and been pretty awesome. Definitely had some flashes um, before the break, but – you want to talk about like an absolute tank on the wing, like 6'6", 225 pounds. Like he, he's got an NBA body plus some already. Step back threes. He's getting to the rim uh, more frequently. I actually think the context of his role at Duke, where he's playing off the basketball mostly, because that, that thing's going through Wendell Moore Jr., Trevor Keels, or Paolo Bencaro, I think is an interesting development context for him. And uh, But Griffin, man, he's got a pretty shot. He shoots a softball. And it's been really fun to see him get to play with it more and handle it a little bit more and get downhill. That was sort of like the thing that was missing the first month or so of the season for him. And um, it's really fun. Duke, when they play small and put him at the four and 
bank care out the five. That's one of the, like that we're just talking about small ball on the podcast. That is like one of the most dangerous small ball lineups in all of college hoops. And, and Duke can really get that done with the, you know, a handful of guys that are, you know, projected draft picks or some guys that are projected lottery picks too. So Griffin's a guy we will be definitely talking about. Um, I think more as the draft comes around because for a team like Charlotte, that's looking to add wings, looking to add talent, you know, he's a guy that could potentially make, make some sense for them. If he were to actually fall, like if he keeps playing like this though, he's going to end up going like top six or seven in the draft. By the way, by the way, Cam, Cam, Cam was at the game tonight. So he, he left Spectrum Center and, and hopped on the call with us here, which is cool. All right. So we're going to present one player on this Hornets roster uh, and give them a New Year's resolution. I'm not big into New Year's resolutions. I feel like I've had this conversation before on the podcast <laughs> yeah. last year. Just yeah. definitely, definitely have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really understand them. But anyway, <laughs> let's try let's try to make them realistic. So, like, let's not say, hey, my New Year's resolution for Ish Smith is to be the best in-game dunker on this team. Let's let's keep it somewhat realistic here. So my I was thinking about this this morning in terms of this segment, like something that a player could work on. And it's actually something that I've seen before with Miles Bridges. And it's it's actually his pull-up three-point shooting. And I'll be the first to say that like if he doesn't improve it this year, like the Hornets are going to be fine. He's going to be fine. But last, last season we saw a huge improvement and I, maybe it was a little bit of an aberration in terms of the numbers, but I would love for bridges to kind of find that happy medium between what we saw last year off the dribble compared to this year. So I don't know if you guys have looked these up, but last year his pull up three point shots, he was shooting 43% off the dribble from behind the arc, which is crazy this year. The volume is definitely upped, but He's only shooting 22% on pull-up threes. So we need to find that happy medium for Miles Bridges because we know what he can do off the ball and driving and getting into the lane and and putting pressure in the paint with his athleticism. But I would love to see him get that number closer to like 32 or 33% compared to where he's at now. So I don't know if you guys have noticed that this year, but last year he was shooting 43% off the bounce on three point shots, which is, which is probably not sustainable for him, but definitely better than that 21.9% that he's shooting this year. Yeah. It's probably somewhere in the middle, right. You know, or maybe, maybe hopefully a little bit closer to where he was last season. I did think last year, like what we saw down the stretch was like, not smoke and mirrors. Cause I, cause I, you know, I I buy miles as as a, as a very good offensive player, but the sample wasn't like enough for me to feel like super duper good about, about this. And, you know, I don't think bridges is the kind of guy that would shy away from, from this scenario, but I think we've seen some other guys that shot really, really well last season, Julius Randall being one or RJ Barrett that, or or Anthony Davis playing in the bubble that when they've gone, you know, there were very few people in arenas last year. Right. And now Mm -hmm. we're going back to arenas being mostly full um, even as, uh, you know, the pandemic continues, you know, maybe that, maybe that's playing some somewhat of a, of a role or miles getting more defensive attention this year. Um, I think there are, there are like things that can, can contribute to it as opposed to just saying like, um, you know, bridges got lucky last season or, or whatever, you know what I mean? Like I think there, I think you can price a couple different things to the equation or at least consider those. Um, I like that resolution for, for miles. I'll go ahead and just keep it moving. And then we can have Lee close it out. I'm going to go with, uh, with PJ Washington for my, uh, resolution. And the start of it would be just like, let's get this guy healthy and keep him in the lineup because man, Charlotte needs him. And when he goes down, 
Boy, howdy. Uh, they are just not the same machine. Um, but, but my thing for PJ would be, this is something that, you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to just rectify itself in the middle of the season. It may just be probably a bit of a weak spot for PJs as he continues, but it just would be like the interior finishing. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, he's shooting just 50% at the rim in the half court this season on non post up attempts, which is really not that great. And he basically, he's had very little like spot up catch and go attack this season. You know, I'd like to see a little bit more of that. You know, PJ get forcing a hard closeout. He shot the hell out of the ball. Like he's just been an incredible catch and shoot player this season. But like, what can we get some more off of that? Can we get can we get a little bit more PJ attacking closeout, making a pass? Can we get PJ rolling to the rim a little bit more? I just think there's more to squeeze out of this guy because he's so talented and skilled, and he's got this great shot that can really that can really force teams to close out hard on him and to close out all the way to the ball. So I'd like to squeeze a little bit more out of that and just – I do think one of my things with PJ, it's so easy for me to say. It's just so easy. But just like I do think he has this, um, this, this habit of like when he's getting ready to brace for a little bit of contact or maybe even when he gets a little bit of contact, he just contorts his body a little bit. And I know he's, it's tough because he's not like a big-time athlete. He's, you know, he's not Bridges. And he's not the size of Mason Plumley. So it's like – and he's going against a bunch – a lot of seven-footers and a lot of limbs down around the basket. But I would like to see him just go through contact more and, like, force them to call whistles. And because um, I think he takes himself – like, it's hard for him to finish already, but I think he takes himself out of some tough shots by making them more difficult on himself. So I'd like to squeeze more out of P.J as a guy who is playing off of that excellent three-point jump shot of his a little bit more and getting to the rim a little bit more and finishing with more with more power and with more efficiency. Yeah, I think that's that's a good one. The on-off numbers for P.J. Washington and the Hornets offense is just like, <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. It's like 120 points per 100 possessions with P.J. on the floor, which would be like historically great, obviously. And then... With him off the floor, the Hornets offense is like 110 points per 100 possessions, which is very middle of the road or even below yeah. average. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's to BG's point right there. Um, all right, I'll make this quick. Um, I've got one that's kind of a joke, but but not really. And I've been a bit of a, of a plumly apologist, but like <laughs> no – Plumley isolation post ups ever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless maybe with a rule of like someone smaller than six two. Like maybe then okay, go try. Like <laughs> anyone six three or over, just no, not yeah. not happening. So that's yeah. that's my resolution for Plumley. And then uh, and then the other one I'll give is I'd like to see Lamelo try and get to the line a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I think for for two reasons, like number one, I just think that's like another logical step for him in regards to becoming a more like well, like fully formed offensive, uh, you know, efficiency engine. And then the second point with that would be LaMelo shot like uh, 75, 76 percent from the line last year. Uh, this year, LaMelo shooting 91% from the free throw line. Again, like it's on low volume because I want him to get there more, but he has in his second year become one of the best free throw shooters in the NBA. So that's a, that's just an even like additional reason that I'd like to see him start kind of like, and, and he did it tonight. He's had an incredible play in the first half where he split 
He split a double team off a screen, kind of hung in the air, absorbed the contact yeah. against Jalen Smith, and mm-hmm. then just banked in this incredible and one finish. Like, yeah. I would love to see him do that a bit more. Um, as amazing as he is, like that, that would be my resolution for Lamelo. Get to the get to the charity stripe a little bit more, young fella. That's a his uh, his skill level is so high, you know, and it's like if you use free throw percentage as like some as like some indicator of skill, it's just a, a, you know, add it to the list for him. Yeah. And uh, last thing that I want to say about Plumley, because before before we completely <laughs> move off from it, I loved how he got a, he got like a reverse layup in this game, like in the middle of the like. His his like fondness for turning shooting yep. when his back is to the basket is just there is there is some there's nothing like I don't I can't think of another player in the NBA who is like more fond of being like my eyes are looking at the opposite end of the of court let me throw the ball behind me Brian like, I solved I solved his free throw issue I just solved his free throw issue <laughs> just turn, do that he needs to do Harlem Globetrotter style just like throw it behind his head yes it's gonna go in eighty percent of the time now uh, I love this idea and I, and I think it's a shame that we haven't seen him try it yet it couldn't be any more it couldn't be much worse than what it uh, no, exactly. than, than what it is now you know how we joke earlier that Miles Bridges might shoot better from two point percentage than in uh than Plumlee. We did. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm thinking that's the case, right? Uh I've got it, it right be. here. Hold on. Uh Bridges 57.2 <laughs> from two point and Mason Plumley is 40 percent oh. free throw line. So it's a it's a blowout. It's a blowout. <laughs> he's not I mean he's just Plumley's not gonna catch he's just I not gonna get there. He's unless not. he starts doing the backwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only that's the last hope. That's the break last in case of emergency. Um and I think we're there personally. All right, guys, we've gone too long here. Thanks to all of those that joined us on Twitter spaces. It looks like Tom and Hizzy Hornets, who's actually a fan from Australia are still here. We appreciate all of you guys that joined. Uh, we will wrap up and hope for a better game against the Wizards. The silver lining in, in terms of getting blown out by the Suns on a back-to-back, you have some people that are going to be rested tomorrow night. So for Lee, for Brian, I'm Richie. Have a good one.